we think of the ecosystem as being much broader than just the signing ceremony. And it's more automated, more connected. An agreement includes a lot of important data. And you need what we call a system of agreement that connects to a variety of other systems. So an agreement can move from preparation through signature, enactment, and management in a highly automated way. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to run and grow your firm. Welcome to episode 386 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to DocuSign for sponsoring this episode. Electronic signatures. We spoke about electronic signatures almost five years ago on the 4th of July 2018 in episode 62. A lot has changed since then. So let's look at this again and let's do this over three episodes. The first one today and then later in episode 392 and 393. Today, let's go through seven questions about the system of agreement that wraps around the actual signature. So the actual signature doesn't just sit by itself isolated in a sealed of vacuum or vacuum, sorry, vacuum, not vacuum, vacuum, but it is part of a system and that system is called a system of agreement. So today, let's look at this system of agreement and ask, how is an electronic signature safer than a wet signature? When and why do we still need a witness? And what are the elements in a system of agreement? These are just some of the questions we will go through today with Jennifer Lachlan and Markus Henner of DocuSign. One, electronic versus digital signature. What's the difference between electronic and digital signatures? I understand digital signatures is a small part of electronic signatures. Is that right? Correct. That's a really good question. And there's often a lot of confusion over the right term to use. We've got a really good blog on our website that talks about the difference between electronic signatures and digital signatures. But in short, electronic signatures are the common practice locally. And digital signatures aren't so widely used here. There's more of a regulatory requirement in some other regions like the EU that primarily use digital signatures for those really high value contracts because they offer a higher level of authentication. They're called standard-based signatures or qualified signatures, but we talk about this risk versus customer experience spectrum with digital signatures requiring a little more effort and steps and therefore impacting the customer experience. Australia and New Zealand regulations only really refer to electronic signatures. So we generally refer to them as electronic signatures, but we know a lot of the market gets confused between the two. Can you just give me a hands-on example of what extra steps a digital signature would take? Would it require online ID or a special encryption of the process? What exactly is it that makes digital signatures a much higher threshold to pass? Yeah, they require an additional digital certificate technology. So it is around that greater authentication level. Sometimes it involves individuals actually speaking to that person to be able to identify them as well. Marcus, maybe you can add on a little bit more to that. Yeah, I think you summarized it really well. So electronic signatures is kind of an umbrella term. Um, as Jen pointed out, it's not actually defined in Australian legislation, but I'd broadly describe it as 
electronic data that's associated with a document used to identify someone or indicate their agreement to whatever they're signing. So essentially, it's exactly what it sounds like, an electronic signature. And that could be something that's done in Microsoft Paint. I wouldn't recommend it, but yeah, it really is. There's a low threshold of what is an electronic signature. A digital signature is a type of technology. So it falls within the electronic signature umbrella. I'm certainly not an expert on all the ins and outs of the technology, but basically it uses public key infrastructure or PKI, whereas you have a private and a public key. And by matching the public key with the private key, that's how you can, I guess, associate someone's digital signature with that document. The advantage of having a digital signature over an electronic signature is just the added levels of security and identity verification, which you might not have with an electronic signature. So they're certainly used interchangeably in Australia, at least, because we don't have definitions of electronic signatures and digital signatures aren't even referenced in legislation. Whereas in the EU, as Jen pointed out, uh, there are more set definitions of an electronic signature and different types of digital signatures. Sending an email back saying, I agree to the below, would that already count as an electronic signature? Yeah, I guess the threshold for an agreement is very low. It can be via text message or email. Again, I wouldn't recommend it. Certainly, I wouldn't recommend any of my clients do anything that way. But that could be an electronic signature because it is your name. Um, if you're saying, I hereby agree to undertake this action and the court determines that to be legally binding, that is your electronic signature. So the threshold in that sense is very low. It could be your name. It could be a little scribble or, you know, obviously digital signatures then because much more advanced. So electronic signatures is the broader term. It basically includes any expression of an intention or a will that is communicated via electronic devices, whereas digital signatures is actually a technology. Yeah. Yeah, that's spot on. Two, did COVID change anything? Just looking at the recent history, was COVID and the uh, ensuing lockdowns, was that a game changer for the attitude of government towards electronic signatures? Because my impression is business was basically already there. Business was very keen to use electronic signatures, but governments and legislation was lagging behind. Did COVID give legislation a push to basically open the doors to electronic signatures? Yes, although electronic signatures could already be used for the vast majority of agreements in Australia and New Zealand. However, there were some exceptions, and those exceptions were dealt with through COVID. And so we can now do a lot more than we could prior to COVID in terms of electronic signatures. So most notably are things like deeds and mortgages. At the start of COVID, the government put in a number of temporary provisions that allowed many more agreements to be signed electronically. After a period, many of these temporary provisions were made permanent, and most notably was the ability for companies to sign under the Corporations Act, and specifically clarified that deeds were able to be signed And some of the states also extended the range of documents that could be signed by individuals as well. Witnessing was another area of change. So, for example, in New South Wales, there were documents like deeds that could be signed electronically, but they required a witness. So they added the ability to witness via audiovisual link, and that allowed you to do even more documents. And we've got many companies doing uh, deeds with witnessing for New South Wales now. Mm -hmm. The government's been super supportive 
with reforming the legislation and that really helps modernize those business communications. COVID provided a really good test period to show that these additional documents could be signed safely with the right technology in place. And there's still further reform to come, but the relevant governments are working on these and consulting well with the community on what still needs to be changed. So an example of that might be the ASIC documents. So we've heard a lot of noise recently around, okay, we've had the Corporations Act change. Why do we still see some of our ASIC documents rejected for being electronically signed? It was kind of an oversight when that draft was amended or when that legislation was amended last year, and it didn't call out ASIC documents specifically. And so there was uncertainty around which ASIC documents would be accepted electronically. So this consultation is in place at the moment. And what they're saying is that the amendment is to be make it implicit that ASIC or the register cannot refuse to receive a register document on the sole basis that it was signed or electronically executed. So when that changes, hopefully within this first half of the year, then there'll be clarity around those ASIC documents. Another separate consultation that's underway is in Western Australia. They're looking to amend their laws to accept electronic signing of deeds and mortgages by individuals as well. South Australia is also on the right path. They're not quite there yet, but on their way. And another nuance is some elements of the Superannuation Act. And again, there's been some recent consultation on this to get more documents included. So largely, Yes, you could already do a bunch of things since COVID. That was the impetus to change it a little bit more. And yes, there's still a few things that the government still needs to tackle, but they're on their way. You touched two very important things. You touched the legal frameworks so of federal law and state laws. And then you also mentioned witnesses. And I would love to ask you about that in a minute. Next question. Three. Is an electronic signature safer than a wet signature? Are electronic signatures safer than wet, if I may call them wet signatures? Because, of course, the, uh, the first reservation against electronic signatures is that they are not as safe as two people sitting at a table together. But there are actually many aspects to an electronic signature that makes an electronic signature safer than a wet signature. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. An electronic signature provides a far superior audit trail um, that's admissible in a court of law and provides many additional details around that signing ceremony. Of particular importance is identifying the person that's signing is indeed the right person to sign. And I have to stress that not all e-signature solutions are created equal. And the stronger your authentication capabilities, the better equipped you are to protect against fraud or protect yourself against fraud claims. So we had a number of situations where brokers, as an example, you know, you don't want to have it contested that the signature is incorrect. So the more evidence you have to support it, the better. DocuSign has a broad range of options to help you authenticate your customers, including verifying ID against a government database. So that's one of the stronger ways to make sure that the person is who they say they are. But we also use two-factor authentication. That's very, very common in this day and age where people will accept any sort of login with two-factor authentication. Our customers are very comfortable with that experience. You receive an SMS text with a code in it, you punch it in, and we've authenticated that you are who you say you are. So having an e-signature solution that incorporates authentication of their identity is important, as is the audit trail that it provides afterwards. So that's that completion certificate 
And in that completion certificate, you have a whole bunch of information that's collected around that experience. So where you were, what time it was, how you were authenticated, were there witnesses, all that sort of information is all captured. Your IP address of your computer or device that was used, that all helps identify who it was that was signing at the time. And that's all court admissible and in a tamper evidence seal, which you don't get from wet signing. Because even if you want to play it super safe and both parties are sitting at the table facing each other, showing each other passports and then signing it, you have no certainty that afterwards somebody doesn't come and exchange a few pages in the uh, document, for example. And I don't know, have you watched Better Call Saul? Have you watched Breaking Bad and then Better Call Saul? One of them, yeah. I just finished Better Call Saul uh, recently. And do you remember the scene where Kim goes to the uh, council office to exchange some plants and so she spilled some, I think, milk on the plants and then while the lady is getting, I think, a towel or something, she quickly exchanges the plants and then the lady signs it again thinking she signed the original plants, but she actually signed other plants? Yeah, that wouldn't yeah be, I remember that. That wouldn't be possible with an electronic signature. No, that's right. The benefit is once the parties have signed, if there's any changes made to the document, the signatures are invalidated. So this actually popped up recently. Um, my wife's a lawyer and she was having an affidavit signed electronically by one of her clients. She went through, got it all signed. And at the very end, she just wanted to put in just a couple lines below her signature just to say she was a solicitor, just kind of your standard boilerplate word in. She went to put that in and then the document wouldn't let her. So it actually locked her out from making any changes. And this was an innocent example of, I just want to quickly add in a couple of words to my signature. And of course, you know, she could have done that in the signing process, but just didn't think about it at the time. But there are definitely kind of nefarious ways of, you know, where people may try and take advantage of that document signed. As you said, they swap in a couple of pages, they, you know, make a couple of changes um, and the other part is none the wiser. So using at least a digital signature platform um, like DocuSign does protect from that. You can't change a document once it's signed and it'll be invalid if you do. And it's very obvious whether or not it's been made invalid. So it's, again, that court admissibly with a tamper evidence seal. Um, so no changes can be made. And you know that the agreement you signed is the right agreement. We have another blog that also deals with this topic of our electronic signatures safe. And that goes into details also around platform security and all the certifications so that make e-signature platforms safe like ours. And I'm also really excited about this development because it doesn't just make signatures safer. It also makes it so much easier to manage legal documents. I don't know whether this happens to you, probably not as often, but I can imagine listeners can relate to this. You ask the client for a deed and then you get a deed sent, but it's not signed or it's not dated. And then you ask again and then you might get a signed copy if you are lucky, but some pages are missing. And it's just a constant, basically herding of, herding of birds or something. Whereas with an electronic signature, you have the full document together, you know exactly that's what was signed and you just have it on a platform and it's all in order. So I'm really excited about this because the deeds are a constant nightmare. It's constantly, where's the deed? Do you have the deed? So I think signatures will not just become safer, but they will also make document management a lot more efficient. Yeah, and I think the important part is that certificate of completion that goes with it, that can all be incorporated in the same packet of documents. So you've got all that evidence 
within the same tamper evidence seal as well. So you've got that extra information and evidence. Also, you're right. Having something in the electronic form makes it easier to store, to use for other purposes as well. So there's a number of efficiencies that are also gained by having it be made electronic, particularly when you have people completing parts of that document electronically as well. So you might have some fields that need to be completed. This having it electronically in electronic format means that you can put in validation for certain fields as well so that people aren't completing it incorrectly. You can also put guidance notes in there so that people know where they're meant to be signing and what they're meant to be doing or what sort of information they should be entering in each spot. So that really helps, but we can also extract those fields at the other end and put it into your system of record. We can automate the extraction of the fields and the documents into your storage repositories for use in other places. So all these things make it a lot better customer experience, but also a better experience on your end for generating efficiencies. So you're saying, for example, let's say you have 15 signed trustees. You are saying you can then search those documents for certain words, for example. So you can search not just the title, but also what's within it. So, for example, you can say, show me all deeds that were signed by Mr. XYZ or show me all deeds that mention a foreign beneficiary. Are you saying that? Yeah, so there, there's a number of different ways of doing that. And we have different capabilities at DocuSign. It's not just e-signature. With e-signature, we also have custom fields that then are searchable and reportable as well. So that can be done with basic e-signature at the moment where you can add custom fields or custom envelope fields. And then if you want to do a search on that, you can or generate a report. Now, on top of that, when we get into contract analytics, we have additional software and different capabilities that are involved with our, our contract lifecycle management product. And so if you want to really get into clause libraries and things like that, then you'd move into our more advanced product. But within basic e-signature, you can absolutely do searches on, on custom fields. Now, before we go through question four, five, six, and seven, before we talk about whether the role of witnesses is declining, before we look at the process of signing and the challenges within this process, before we talk about the system of agreement and before we look overseas and discuss what's happening overseas, before we do any of that, let's play you a quick word from our sponsor DocuSign. When it comes to tax talks, I'm no podcaster, but I am an accountant. And every day I advise on claims and deductions. Trouble is, I hadn't been looking after my own business. Well, with the government's tech rebate ending soon, I signed up to DocuSign and I've gone 100% digital. It streamlined everything from onboarding to invoices. Now I kind of wish I'd taken my own advice sooner. Sign up for your free trial at docusign.com.au. Next time, DocuSign. Four. Is the role of witnesses declining? Can we speak about the role of witnesses? Are they really still required with all this checking of ID, with all this electronic framework around the signatures? Do we really still need witnesses? Because then you basically just have to check the ID of the witness as well. And if you check the ID of the original person, then do we still need witnesses? And when do we still need them? Yeah, so the role of a witness for ensuring that the person signing is who they say they are is a bit of an outdated process and I think a little bit flawed 
because if you have a witness that's the cleaner walking past in your office, you're never going to see that witness again. And how do you make sure that they actually validated who you are? It's a little bit flawed. There are much better ways to validate and authenticate an individual's identity. And witnessing for that purpose has already been moved from a lot of legislation. For example, the Corporations Act no longer requires witnessing for signing deeds. Similarly, Victoria and Queensland have removed the need for witnesses for individuals signing deeds. Western Australia is on the same track. So I do see it as something that's being phased out, but there is still a role for witnessing in certain scenarios. So important processes like oaths, affidavits, wills, power of attorneys, there are still requirements to have special witnesses like a lawyer who's required to ensure that the person signing actually understands the content of what they're signing up to. But even in these circumstances, many of the states have now allowed for witnessing to take place over an audio-visual link. And we now have precedent with rulings where this has been upheld as well. So say witnessing has been conducted over a Zoom call. Just because you have a witnessing requirement doesn't mean you can't sign electronically. You can. So you see the role of witnesses more and more disappearing, correct? There are less and less documents that need a witness, correct? Yes, that's correct. We've definitely seen it being removed from certain legislation, um, like the Corporations Act, like Victorian and Western Australia legislation. Well, Western Australia hasn't happened yet, but Victoria definitely removed the need for witnesses for deeds. Five, the process of signing has three challenges, inefficient processes, information silos, and unbalanced risk management. Do these three challenges exist for electronic signatures as much as for wet signatures? A signature basically sits in a four-part process. It's prepare, sign, act, and manage. And Within this four-part process, you basically have three challenges. You have inefficient processes, and that's basically an electronic signature can only give you efficiency to the extent that you actually have efficient processes. If your processes are all broken up, then an electronic signature can't really add so much efficiency to it. So that's the first challenge, inefficient processes. The second challenge is information silos. So if you have information sitting or data sitting in many different silos, then of course it becomes quite challenging to create a document for an electronic signature because you have to run around and get the information from different silos. And then the next one is an unbalanced risk management. The less you manage your risk, of course, also the harder it gets for an electronic signature to have a reduced risk. However, I think all these challenges for electronic signatures, I think they also exist for wet signatures. I think inefficient processes, information silos and unbalanced risk management, those three affect a wet signature as much, I think, as an electronic signature. Don't you agree? Well, I think actually... For each of those silos, electronic signatures actually solve a problem that can't be solved with wet signatures. So firstly, electronic signatures will provide efficiencies no matter what your internal processes are. The very nature of signing electronically provides benefits of improved turnaround time, for example. That's true. 82% of DocuSign e-signature agreements are completed in less than 24 hours and 50% in less than 15 minutes. So all without leaving your office and saving on printing and postage. So on average, DocuSign saves organizations 
$36 per document compared to traditional manual paper processes. That's actually a very good point. Even if your processes are all over the place, just the pure fact that you don't have to print out mail and then receive a postage bag, even within all the chaos, electronic signatures still save you time and money. That's actually a very good point. That's correct. And in addition, electronic signing provides field validation. And you can add guidance for your signers so that they can't complete the document incorrectly, right? We're saving on errors and rework as well. So that's another area that we hear our customers say that they're achieving benefits by using electronic signing. And secondly, DocuSign also works with its customers to create efficiencies and automation both upstream and downstream of this electronic signing. So this is where you were talking about the information silos. We have a huge amount of connectivity to everyday applications and to our customers' technology stacks with hundreds of different integrations. So this allows you to trigger the signing of your document directly from your CRM or your system of record or even your day-to-day -day software like Word and then automate the return of the documents back to your document repository like SharePoint or any other. And even the ability to return the field content back into your system of record. So that really creates great efficiencies by breaking down those information silos and integrating to them. So we also offer the ability to embed DocuSign within your own customer portals, along with capabilities like web forums and document generation so that you can offer your customers a truly frictionless customer experience. And lastly, you mentioned about risk. DocuSign helps you manage your risks throughout the process through authentication, which we spoke about earlier, automation and integration. So our functionality for managing, storing and reporting enable that appropriate risk management through greater visibility and audit trails. And our contract lifecycle management product also offers that contract analytic capabilities for additional risk management. And like I mentioned before, some clause libraries and things like that, which are handy. There are a lot of inefficiencies in wet signing and using paper documents. Um, I've been through the pain of having documents sent back to me where they're missing a date. And if you're sending it by mail, that's another couple of days at least back and forth. Even by email, people miss things when it's just a traditional document sent by email. No matter how good the instructions are, people miss things. So using something like DocuSign definitely smoothens the process and makes it more efficient, makes it quicker, more cost effective as well. I think in terms of risk management, the use of a platform like DocuSign. So again, this isn't every e-signature platform or every use of electronic signatures because it could be anything, but using, and it doesn't have to be DocuSign, but a digital signature provider or a kind of robust um, electronic signature provider, I think makes it much easier to manage documents. You can bring, you know, whether it's clients, parties on the other side to specific areas in the document to make sure they haven't skimmed over it or missed it. Make sure that, you know, they've crossed their T's, dotted their I's. Having that system in place, it's not impossible to do all that when you're using a physical document, but I think there's a lot more work involved to meet with someone, make sure everything's done uh, in the one go than using a software or a platform like DocuSign to help you do that. Six. What elements are in a system of agreement? My next question is a little bit of me trying to be clever. And I'm not sure it actually worked. When I was thinking about signatures, I was thinking they actually 
four elements to the uh, signature ecosystem. It's the party who signs, it's the document that is being signed, it's the parties who rely on the document, and then you have this all sitting within a legal framework. And I think looking at your notes, you didn't agree with me. I think you thought that the ecosystem is much broader than just those four parts to it. Could you elaborate? Yeah, for sure. We think of the ecosystem as being much broader than just the signing ceremony. And it's more automated, more connected. An agreement includes a lot of important data. And you need what we call a system of agreement that connects to a variety of other systems. So an agreement can move from preparation through signature, enactment, and management in a highly automated way. We've got a great white paper that talks about the rise of the modern system of agreement. Companies have invested billions of dollars to modernize their systems of record, such as their CRMs and ERPs, and their systems of engagement, such as you know marketing automation and their internal collaboration applications. Yet for most companies, there's one critical system that's yet to be modernized, despite being central to the process of doing business. It's the company's system of agreement the collection of technologies and processes used for preparing, signing, acting, and managing agreements. So many company system agreements are rife with manual processes. They've got slow turnaround times, human errors, and legacy systems of agreement are needlessly burning time and money. They're also undermining the experience of customers, employees, and their partners, and they're imposing a persistent perennial drag on business productivity. So some companies have taken that first step to transformation. They've implemented e-signature technology to break the bottleneck of needing a physical signature. And that's a crucial and valuable breakthrough. But important as it is, e-signature addresses a single stage of a larger agreement process, leaving manual processes everywhere else. So for example, in preparing an agreement, people often end up rekeying data that exists in other systems, such as customer product or pricing information, or when acting on a just-signed agreement, people often need to manually transfer the agreement into, for example, billing systems. So what happens before and after the signature needs the same acceleration that the e-signature has brought for the signing process. So the need for this rise to the modern signing of a system of agreement which is more automated and connected and that needs purpose-built applications and integrations to accelerate that process of doing business. So we see that ecosystem as being the modern system of agreement that connects a variety of other systems so that an agreement can move from preparation through signature, enactment, and management in that highly automated way. That's how we think of the ecosystem, not just the signing. Okay, good. So instead of ecosystem, we say system of agreement. And maybe, if I may have another try, maybe we have six parts to this system of agreement. We have the parties who sign. We have the data that is going into the document from other systems or from databases. We have the document that is being created. We have others who are relying on this document. We have the legal framework. And then, of course, sorry, coming back, I should have mentioned this earlier. And then we also have the processes that connect all this. So we have the signing party. We have the data feeding into it. We have the processes. We have the document. We have others who are relying on it. And we have the legal framework. Would that get closer to what you see in a system of agreement? 
Yeah, I think so. You know, that's the broader ecosystem. It involves a number of different parties. And you're quite right. The legal framework is part of that ecosystem, for sure. Seven, what is happening overseas? What do you see happening overseas? Without fear of bragging, my impression is that Australia, together with the UK and the US, I'm not sure what's happening in New Zealand with respect to electronic signatures, but my impression is that we are quite far ahead of, for example, the EU. The little bit of interaction I have with the EU regarding legal documents is still a lot of printing out, signing and sending back. Any touch point I had with the EU over the past 12 to 24 months was all still very, very old-fashioned paper-based. Do you share the same impression that Australia is quite far ahead in the electronic signature growth chart? Yeah, I think there's definitely variances around the world, but I wouldn't say that EU was necessarily behind. We have a very active customer base over there. They are highly regulated. So like I said, we have some solutions that have been generated specifically for that region, particularly around those standard-based digital signatures that I mentioned earlier. And the UK has also gone through a lot of changes through COVID. They introduced witnessing for their mortgages. And I know that it's being accepted for more than it ever was before. In the US, that's obviously our home base. We're a very global company. But in the US, they also have uh, specific products for their region around things like notary for that market. So I would say it's shifting globally. You know, DocuSign's been available for over 20 years, I think. And again, most agreements should be able to be done with DocuSign, regardless of the region that you're in. We know that it's used broadly across the globe. And We're seeing those last nuances disappear where you can do more than ever before. Welcome back. Now, before I say goodbye to you, let me just quickly play you another bit of the interview because I actually asked Jennifer and Marcus an eighth question because this eighth question is about DocuSign. I tucked it in at the end in case you want to skip ahead. So here is my last question to Jennifer and Marcus. Eight. How big is DocuSign in Australia? You mentioned that DocuSign originally is from the US, but I'm amazed how active you are in Australia. You know how many people you have in Australia. I might cut this out. This is just curiosity. Do you know how many people are with DocuSign in Australia? Uh, it's about 500. It's 500 or 600 people locally. We don't have the product teams here, though. We're largely sales and solution and customer success here locally, whereas in the EU, we have much larger teams. And they involve a product team in the EU as well. I just almost fell off my chair. You're saying you have five to 600 people in Australia alone. That completely blows my mind. I expected you to say, oh, we have five to 10 people in Australia. So you have five to 600 people in Australia. What I think they so. doing? <laughs> I think so. Is it, have I got that number about right, Marcus? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a tiny bit less than that, but it's around that number. It's definitely if you include... New Zealand and APAC. And then 
Oh, yeah. I might be thinking of the ABJ region. So Yeah, but I think we're at least 400 in Australia, maybe closer to 500. So it's definitely a large number, but that's almost 7,000 globally. So it is a small percentage. And I hope I got that number right. Maybe you can correct me, Jen, but I feel like I saw around 7,000 at some point. Yes, but you're a lot more present than I thought. Yeah, this is amazing. I'm glad I asked you because I had a completely different idea of how big DocuSign is in Australia. So I'm glad I stand corrected. Yeah, and we're growing. It's a growing business for sure. Welcome back. We will come back to electronic signatures in episode 392 and 393, where we will talk about the legislative framework around electronic signatures. What can you electronically sign in which state and what determines which state law applies anyway? What does audiovisual signing actually look like? And a range of other questions. So that is the plan for 392 and 393. But before we do that, let's do a six-part mini-series about child support. Four episodes about child maintenance trust and then two episodes about child support non-agency and lump sum payments. In episode 387 next week and then also 388, Patrick Elwood of Clover Law in Brisbane will walk you through section 102 AG and AE that cover the accepted income of child maintenance trusts. And then in the two episodes after that, He will discuss the five situations and taxation ruling TR 98-4 with you in which the ATO outlines what it would accept as accepted income and what it wouldn't accept as accepted income in a CMT. And as you know, that is a big problem because if not accepted income in a CMT, then the income in the CMT will be taxed at penalty rates for minors. And that is exactly what you wanted to avoid by setting up the trust. And then after those four episodes about CMTs, Simon Bacon of Manby and Scott in Melbourne will talk with you about non-agency payments and then also child support lump sum payments. So that is the plan for the next six weeks. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to DocuSign for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.